0: This is the Greg Peterson experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We are here at Circa. It is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSyn, the Sports Betting Network, and it is very, very rare on the show. As a matter of fact, it's the first time on this show in which we're gonna have tip-off of any sort of a sporting event when this show goes live, but we're going to have that tonight as UNLV versus Michigan just getting started, so we're going to be getting you guys caught up on that. Seen a lot of late-night action in general. We wound up seeing triple overtime in college football as Air Force just wound up going final with their game against Nevada, so we're going to get you guys all caught up on that. Got a lot to get through when it comes to college basketball, both what we wound up seeing on Friday, Looking forward to Saturday, we've got a big slate of college footballs coming up. We're going to be talking about some NBA MVP odds as well in the second hour, so we're just a little bit of everywhere. And then when it comes to the final hour, once we wind up hitting Midnight Pacific, that way everyone is experiencing Saturday on the Kenta, in the Continental 48 states. We are going to be getting you guys just a whole bunch of picks, a whole bunch of analysis for what is going to be another jam-packed Slate of college football. So we're going to have that obviously a little bit of college basketball sprinkled in there as well. And for those of you guys still looking to jump in when it comes to Michigan versus UNLV, we've seen a little bit of action on UNLV. This game just getting ready to get started as it was Michigan who opened up a 14 point favorite. Now you're finding them in a lot of places, a 12 and a half. You're finding a few straight 13s out there, but this one is following the fact that you wound up having Arizona get the win but no cover against Wichita State, which we're going to get you guys caught up on in a second. But total that I'm seeing right now, pretty much 135 and a half across the board. And I think it's going to be a very intriguing spot because you've got yourself a UNLV team that they're pretty much playing a home game. It's at T-Mobile Arena. They officially play at the Thomas and Mack Center, but let's call it what it is. They're, they're playing in Nevada. It's a home game for UNLV, but what I think is going to be really intriguing is How this team is going to be able to match up down low, Hunter Dickinson, one of the most immovable objects in all of college basketball, that, no question, is going to be a big task for this team to be able to overcome, but I do think that UNLV should be able to cover this game. I think that you're getting a little bit of a lack of respect here for a UNLV bunch in which they do have a new coach under Kruger, so you've got a little bit of movement there, but when it comes to UNLV, Bryce Hamilton, I think is going to need to keep the team in the game. Bryce Hamilton. Guy that last year was able to give the team 18 points, six rebounds. He's able to add in there a couple of assists. And then Roy Sam down low is going to need to match up at the very least a little bit. When it comes to going up against Hunter Dickinson, he's been able to average a double-digit amount of rebounds per game. You've noticed that UNLV has missed Mbake Jong a little bit, but I take a look at the spot. You're pretty much laying 14 points on the road with Michigan. I could not do it. Personally, I wound up setting this line at seven. I want to making my total 142 and a half, so I wound up taking the over wound up taking the points here with you and as that game is just getting set to get tipped off. And that follows the fact that you wound up seeing Wichita State and Arizona go final in overtime if you wound up taking this total over because opening line right around 136.5. Closed between 138, 138.5. It certainly got there. Was a little bit of sweat in regulation, but Wichita State comes back from down 16 points. They force overtime. Then they were down nine points in overtime. They rally once again. They were in all sorts of foul trouble and somehow, someway, just strung together by chicken wire and some duct tape. Wichita State is able to manufacture a cover by kind of 82 to 78. It certainly was not necessarily the world's greatest free throw shooting expose in this one as you wind up seeing Arizona down the stretch wind up missing a lot of free throws. In the early goings, they were actually able to do a solid job of being able to make their free throws. Then in the back half of the game, it certainly was not going down for them. Meanwhile, for Wichita State, it was big that Ty Atn was able to come back for this team. He was dealing with an illness in the first couple games of the season. You could tell that he was on himself, even though he wound up hitting that big shot against Jacksonville State. Actually wound up missing the team's game on Tuesday when they wanted up playing against Harleton State. He comes on this one. He was able to give the team 27 points as Wichita State. They let it fly from three-point range, 12 of 39 from distance, also 12 of 24 from the free-throw line, Arizona wound up getting Ben Matherin going. He was able to have 25 points, 10 rebounds. Big reason why Arizona didn't cover this game, though. I'm looking at you, Azula Sabales, going 8 of 14 from the free throw line. But he was able to have 16 points in this game as well. Spirited effort from Wichita State to get in there and force 22 turnovers against an Arizona team. That they were ranking right towards the top of all of college basketball. When it came to defensive efficiency, they were actually... Third, in terms of points, a lot on a per-possession basis. They were in the top 20 in points scored on a per-possession basis. They wound up coming into this game with a point differential of north of 40. Now, a lot of teams that aren't necessarily great is what they were going up against, but still a very good effort from what you're taught to It wasn't necessarily looking so great in their first couple games of the season, so I thought that that was a little bit intriguing. What was also very intriguing is what we wound up seeing go final when it came to college football as well as it wound up being Not one, but not two, but three overtimes. I always forget that now you've got the stupid two-point conversions that wind up going down when you wind up having to go to that third overtime. But with that said, you were able to get a final in this one between Air Force and Nevada. So if you wound up taking this little over, good gosh darn it, you were able to get there on that front. And it was a very good effort, in my opinion, for both teams in this one as it was a spot in which you wound up having the spread come into play and it was Air Force who wound up getting the 41 to 39 win over Nevada. So that was a very big one for the Air Force Falcons. And this one, you wound up having strong, have three touchdowns and an interception for Nevada and for Air Force. They win this game going one of five passing, which that's got to be the first three overtime game that we've ever seen with five pass attempts. That's just a big giant oddity, but... With that said, you were able to get Air Force if you wound up having them on the money line, certainly. And when it comes to the Nevada team, they were able to show quite a bit of fight in this one. It was just a back and forth game in general. And when you wind up getting three overtimes, there's nothing better than that. But with Air Force, they wound up closing in some spots, a two and a half point favorite. In other spots, they wound up closing as a one and a half point favorite. As you actually saw a flip of favorites because Nevada was right around one and a half point favorite. So there are a lot of ways to be able to take a look at this game and. It always leads me to my point of always try to get the best number. Always try to, if you sense a little bit of a move trying to get in, you'd be better off trying to get in a tad bit early in a lot of times rather than a tad bit late. So that was truly the case if you wound up winding Air Force in this game as they're able to get it on total of 54 and a half, just did not wind up standing a chance. And we've got another live game that is going down, and we are just at the half. So I'll be able to keep you guys informed on this throughout the night as you've got the Aztecs of San Diego State playing against UNLV. UNLV's basketball team has been a little bit better than their football team in recent years. That's not saying much, but currently it's a run in Rebels who close as anywhere between a 10 and a half to an 11 point underdog currently trailing by a count of 21 to 10. As we know, San Diego State, one of the more, shall we say, slow teams when it comes to college football, much like their basketball team. So actually on par with that. And Typically a fringe top 25 team in both sports. So at the very least, you've got to reward the consistency. If you're looking to dive in on this live, live you're finding UNLV as a 17 and a half point underdog. Your total is a 51 and a half. That is way up from what we wound up seeing on the close as the closing total, anywhere between 41 and 41 and a half. So got to be keeping note of that. This is a UNLV team that in general, they just have not been able to move the ball through the air all season long. So if you're hoping for a comeback, I don't think that you're necessarily going to get it via the air, and then you take a look at San Diego State. And this is a bunch at their 9-1. They probably are not going to be going to any sort of New York 6 Bowl, but with that said, they should be able to go to a relatively solid bowl, and you've been able to see a good passing performance. 12-14, buck 48 from Lucas Johnson. He's been able to do a solid job for San Diego State tonight. Meanwhile, for UNLV, they have just been held down on the ground. You take a look at what you've been able to get. From the main running back because we're going to throw out there the sack. You wound up having Charles Williams have 11 carries for 20 yards in the first half. So clearly, offense has not been the forte of both of these teams as we have now tipped off when it comes to this UNLV versus Michigan game. We're in the early goings. We're going to be getting a stoppage here momentarily, but UNLV, early part of this game, they're up by kind of five to four with right around 15 minutes left in the first half. Make that seven to four UNLV. So right now the double-digit talk coming out with good effort, but as we know. When it comes to college basketball, it is early. I'm going to need to go on my little bit of a soapbox here for about 90 seconds as to why you shouldn't declare a game over in the first half. Unless if you wound up taking the first half, you wanted to taking some derivative where you're betting on like in the NBA, the first quarter, things like that. These games are not over. We see it time and time again where someone posts out there on social media, oh, this game is just completely over. This team has no shot whatsoever. And then that person winds up with egg on their face because someone screenshotted the tweet and they just look like a moron. And it is hilarious every time it winds up happening. You get no style points for declaring a game over when it's like, let's just throw out their Michigan winds up getting down like 30 to 20, obviously we're in the first couple of minutes. Don't worry if you have a bet on this game, it is not 30 to 20, but let's just say that winds up happening. Are you going to get any style points by saying to person X out there on social media? Oh, this was just absolutely terrible. And then Michigan winds up coming back to win by like 30 points. And then you just look completely ridiculous for declaring it over. My best advice to you is to just not do it. And if you really do feel that way, Wind up betting live on it. I personally am not someone that I wind up doing a whole lot about live betting. I always think that to do live betting, you really want to be taking a look at the game with your own two eyes because you have a little bit more of an algorithm that does spit out a lot of these a lot of these lines when things are live. You don't necessarily have as much human interaction when it comes to it. So you're able to pick up on something. If a team is hitting like a bunch of fadeaway shots, they're getting clearly lucky with the shots that they're hitting. Then you wind up trying to identify a little bit of something. So I do think that that's really important. And then obviously follow trouble as well if a guy winds up getting hurt. So there's a lot of ways that you're able to attack live betting. My best advice to you is to always be engaged with that game. And we're engaged with a whole lot when it comes to this fine show, the Greg Peterson Experience, coming in next right here on v the Sports Banking Network. We're going to take a little bit of a look back as to all the action that we wound up seeing on Friday. That is right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. Seeing Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Tech Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups, no more batteries to charge, or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, like Spearmint, green, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so that way you can easily find the satisfaction level that is just right for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head to Zinn.com find. To locate a store near you, that is ZYN.com slash find and warning. This is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience, we've right now got a live basketball game going on. A first for the Greg Peterson Experience that we wind up having the actual tip. Right now, early goings, it is Michigan up on UNLV by a count of 13 to 11, 1247 left in the first half. UNLV getting the ball back. So we're going to be keeping you guys abreast of the situation as we go along here. But got to recap what we wound up seeing in college basketball on Friday. We went through in the first segment, the Wichita State versus Arizona game. You wound up having Wichita State give a spirited effort to be able to get back in the game, but they were unable to get it done. And when you took a look at things in college basketball on Friday, you really didn't have too many shocking upsets or anything like that. But we are noticing that it is certainly... Time for those non-conference tournaments, all those games that are played in the great state of South Carolina, and what really stood out to me out of everything that we wound up seeing is just the way that some teams wound up collapsing down the stretch. I am looking at you, Clemson. We all remember in college football, many years ago, there was that phrase of, and I quote Clemsoning, now it applies to college basketball, up by 16 points in the second half, and they just completely lost the game against St. Bonaventure, 68-65. I mentioned this on social media, and I really do think that it's true. These two teams play drastically different styles, but I see a little bit of the 2018-19 Nevada Wolfpack in St. Bonaventure. Not necessarily in their tempo, but in the way that they wind up getting out to some just absolutely horrendous starts. And then in the second half, St. Bonaventure seems to get some sort of a win-one for the gipper speech every single time. And then in the second half, they wind up looking like a completely different team. This is a St. Bonaventure team that, by the way, has one of the better big men that you've never heard of by the name of Oshun Oshuni. Well, some of you guys may have heard of him. Fortunately, St. Bonaventure is getting a little bit more of the deserved love that they should be getting. But when he was off the floor during the 2019-20 season, St. Bonaventure went 1-6. In games that he wound up missing, they were 18-6 and six when he was out there. So this guy is clearly an X-factor, and for St. Bon Adventure, with him, they also have a team that they wound up going 14-24 of 24 from three-point range. Something else that's really standing out, we wound up seeing it a little bit in that Arizona versus Wichita State game. Miss free throws are right now not helping out some of your bets. I'm taking a look at you, Georgia, who winds up losing to Georgia Tech in a game in which it was legitimately tied. With four minutes left, if you, like me, want to take the points, you just feel like a complete fool because Georgia, well, they didn't wind up having it on this night. As for Georgia, they wind up losing by 10 points, despite the fact that they were in this game through the entirety of it. And it was just incredible to watch Georgia Tech in the way that they were able to shoot because I think that Georgia Tech is going to be one of the most volatile teams in all of college basketball. They wind up losing Jose Alvarado. They lose Moses Wright from last season as well, but they've still got Michael DeVoe. And Michael Michael DeVoe was just on complete fire right now. I mean, 37 points, 14 of 18 from the floor, went four of five from three-point range. I mean, this is a Georgia Tech team in which they need to find a little bit more depth. They need to find a little bit of something other than Jordan Usher and Michael DeVoe to be able to carry the offense, but I mean, that's a very good start right there. Meanwhile, we've got a Georgia team that I should have known better than to bet on them because their coach is Tom Crean, and Tom Crean has absolutely no idea what he's doing. He's currently not coaching free throw shooting because on their home floor, they went 12-24 of 24 from the free throw line. Thanks for nothing there. And then when you take a look at this Georgia bunch, you do have Aaron Cook, who winds up coming over from Gonzaga. You may remember him a little bit better from a few years ago, being the more star studded guard, a starter while he was at Southern Illinois as well. He wound up having 18 points in this game, but you can tell that this is a team that they're not finding the right blend. They wound up not doing the world's greatest job of being disciplined in this game as well, so it was certainly a big-time issue for this team, and Jalen Ingram was able to go 7-10 to 10 from the floor, but also fell out of the game. He wound up having five turnovers. That was not necessarily great, and when you take a look at college basketball in general, you I've been personally taking a look at a lot of these home underdogs. George is one that I wound up losing on on this night, but and take a look at them overall. Now, I don't know whether they're going to consider this UNLV versus Michigan game officially a neutral court game. If they do, it's a crying shame because the game is in Las Vegas. But when you take a look at home underdogs, they've been doing an absolutely tremendous job of being able to cover for you. Even with that loss, home underdogs, as of right now, in college basketball this season, 54-42-1 and against the spread. That is a 56.3% hit rate. Home and road splits have not necessarily been big right now. Home teams are covering about 49.5% of games. You've seen a little bit of a trend to the under. It's something I've been talking about on this show, and it doesn't just apply to college basketball. It applies really to all sports. You take a look at the NFL. You take a look at college football. You take a look at the NHL. You take a look at the NBA. All of these sports are having the under hit at at least a 53% clip right now in college basketball. It is officially at 53.5%. 291 unders. You've got 253 overs and a few pushes in. This is with 32 games going to overtime and 29 of those going over. So if you want yourself something that has been able to make you quite a bit of money, unders in college basketball, it's not necessarily the sexiest thing in the world when you're at a party and you're just like, oh boy, a good old fashioned shot clock violation or all right, that was just an absolutely horrendous brick that person X wound up shooting, but it can be profitable for you. I'm someone that I enjoy myself, a good old defensive slobber knocker, like when you wind up getting Virginia and Wisconsin hooking up, the total is 120, and you know that there's no prayer whatsoever by their team getting to 55, so those are always fun for me personally, but I understand that that is not the cup of tea for a lot of people. What is a cup of tea for a lot of people is a lot of these blue blood schools, and the ones that wind up taking the floor on Friday looked very solid. Duke was able to just clobber a Lafayette team that, a lot of losing everything from last year. The jaws of life. Justin Jaworski along VJ Stevens being on the full. That is the team looking like it's going to be a long year for them, but got to give a lot of credit to Duke. They were playing right around 32. I think on even some closing numbers that got up to 32 and a half, 33, but they were able to push slash cover just about all of them. 88 to 55 final in this one. And, there was a little bit of controversy as to whether or not Paul Boncaro was going to be receiving a little bit of a suspension for the news that wanted breaking over the week, but he looked very solid in this game, 11.6 rebounds. But the guy that I want to highlight here, how about Mark Williams? In the last 10 games of the season for Duke, when he wound up getting more minutes, he was averaging right around 11 points, 6 rebounds, 2 blocks per game. He came out in this one, and he just looked like a man possessed. In 22 minutes, 14 points, 15 rebounds, 4 blocks, And I'll continue to say it. There are a lot of people that they like to hate on Duke. There are, and Duke has been a team that time and time again, sometimes they haven't necessarily come up the biggest in big spots. With that said, Duke for one, whenever they're an underdog, they are pretty darn solid. If you take a look at their track record, obviously they're not going to be an underdog to the likes of Campbell, Lafayette. We're going to be seeing them really in action when they play Gonzaga in about a week or so. So that is going to be a lot of fun, but I take a look at this Duke team and On paper, they're right now looking like, at minimum, a top-8 team in all of college basketball, if not a tad bit better. And what I think is really big for this team, they've got an experienced gentleman in Wendell Moore Jr. You wound up seeing him go off for a triple-double about a week or so ago. He had 23 points, 6 boards, 4 assists. He's really helping out these young guys like Boncaro. He's helping out Trevor Keels be able to get their seed legs under them, take a little bit of the pressure off. A junior that was a very highly touted guy coming out of high school. And he has certainly been able to do some nice things for this Duke team. So I do like what I'm seeing there. And then you wind up seeing number one, Gonzaga, play and Well, it wasn't much of a battle in this one as they wound up taking on a completely outmatched Bellarmine squad. And Bellarmine, who was catching darn near 30 points in this game, they didn't stand a chance. 92-50 the final. We saw Drew Timmy in that game against Texas. He wound up having 37 in that one. He didn't quite have that tonight. He wound up going out for 25 points. Was able to get to the free-throw line for 13 attempts. He was able to bury 10 of them. And for Gonzaga, we always talk about the offense with this team. Let's not undermine the defense. Year in and year out, this is a bunch that they typically rank in the top 25 when it comes to points allowed on a per possession basis in Bellarmine. A team that was in the top 20 with regards to three-point shooting percentage last year, they went... Three of 25 from three-point range. And here's a rebound discrepancy for Gonzaga. 40 to 20. Yeah, that's pretty darn solid. And guess what? That wasn't even the biggest discrepancy in terms of rebound rate that we wound up seeing in college basketball because you wound up having this team by the name of Kentucky take the floor. They've right now got a guy by the name of Oscar Sheboy. He wound up entering in the night averaging right around 19 rebounds per game. He didn't quite have that but in Kentucky's win over Ohio, they were able to cover all numbers at 77 to 59. This was just absolutely ridiculous. What we wound up seeing from Kentucky, and that's a big reason why they're going to have value. And I think that they're going to win the SEC. Kentucky won the rebound battle, 53 to 17. 53 to 17 against an Ohio bunch. I wound up being able to knock off Belmont earlier this season. So that tells you just how good Kentucky is down low. You know what's even better though? Then recapping college basketball, looking forward to college basketball. We're going to be doing that next. We've got some ranked battles to get to, and so much more right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v-sin the Sports Betting Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. It is the time to get your copy of our annual Beeson College basketball betting guide. It's just 10 bucks, and this year's guide has everything you need to bet on all the games all season long. Odds, trends, power rankings, and analysis on every single team. I wind up giving you a number or a nugget on all 358 D1 schools. Now 358 St. Thomas. Welcome aboard our team of experts, including apparently this Greg Hoop Pearson guy. Matt Humans and Tim Murray all provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, player awards. The list goes on and on. Sign up today and get your copy. Just nine ninety nine. B S I N dot slash subscribe is where you go for that. As it is a Greg Peterson experience. I am Greg Peterson and we've got some moves that are currently going on right now. It's Michigan versus UNLV as we're seeing it right now. It's currently a. Five-point lead for Michigan. You've got right around 545 left in the first half, 28 to 23. So you wind up taking the total over. So far, not a bad pace. This is what I wind up taking a look at college basketball. You always take a look at, okay, where are we in relation to just points on a permanent basis right now? You're getting right around 3.5. So if you want to take the total over at right around 135, 136, should be feeling pretty good about yourself. And then when it comes to college basketball totals, obviously, got to be taking a look at the foul situation as well, because late game fouling that can either nip you in the tuckus. If you wind to taking the under, or it can really boo you and be able to lift you to a, a over if you wind up taking the over. So that is something that I always do. I'm taking a look at games that, I think there's going to be a six to seven point lead in the final minutes. Well, you wind up getting that March of the free throw line in. All coaches actually do fall a little bit differently as well. I'm looking at you, Leonard Hamilton, who should have followed in the 2018 NCAA tournament. Not that I'm bitter that I wound up having four and a half with Michigan in that one. But here we are, Greg Peterson experience. It is myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got some college basketball to look forward to for tomorrow. Doing this while we actually have college basketball on, which really warms my soul, but Got a big one that's going to be going down out there in the great state of Connecticut. You've got North Carolina Purdue. We'll hit on Villanova and Tennessee in this segment as well. But we'll start with this one because I want writing this up for the New York Post. I am going to be on the over in this game, and I'm going to have the write-up in the paper in the morning. But take a look at Purdue, finding them pretty much across the board as a six-point favorite. Total on this game opened up at 152 and a half. We're mostly seeing 153. As of right now, I want to make my total more around 161 to 161.5. Just because you take a look at Purdue, this team has been absolutely magnificent when it comes to their efficiency on offense. In terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, they rank in the top five in all of college basketball. North Carolina has not been shabby either. They rank in the top 30 in that metric, and when it comes to North Carolina, you know that they're not going to do a lot to get in Purdue's way. When it comes to Turnover force on a per-possession basis. They're forcing one on 11.1% of possessions. That ranks in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, coming in today, that was 351st. There are 358 D1 teams. I tell you right now, that is called not good. So I do think that neither of these teams are necessarily going to be able to provide a lot of a speed bump. And when it comes to Purdue, I do think that when it comes to missed shots, for North Carolina, they're going to be able to do a good job of folding them to one to duns, but this is a North Carolina bunch of, they're shooting darn near 40% from three-point range, so they've been able to do a solid job of bringing in quite a few of these guys, like a Dawson Garcia, like a Brady Manic, guys that have size that are able to shoot from three-point range, so I do think that that is going to be something that's going to be able to help you out there. And then when it comes to Purdue, I mean, just all the big men, Travion Williams is now coming off the bench because you've got out there Zach Eady, who stands right around four. How Purdue winds up recruiting all the giants of the earth is something that I will try to find out myself because it feels like every year Purdue has brought in someone else from some remote location that is seven foot fifty-seven, and it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me, every year with Purdue. But with that said, it's going to be, in my opinion, a really good matchup in this one because you do have a guy in Sasha Savanovich who is a career about 40% three-point shooter. I took a look at last year, and he wound up shooting pretty much 30% from three-point range towards the back half of the season. You could tell that he was banged up. I thought that being able to have the offseason to be able to recover was going to be able to help him out. So far, so good for him. He's shooting well above 40% from three thus far. And then when it comes to North Carolina, a team that is really looking to run it and gun it under Hubert Davis. I think that you've got quite a bit of value here when it comes to the over and I did wind up making Purdue more around about a 7.5 ish point favorite. I do think that there is going to be quite a value here on Purdue in this game with North Carolina. They've been able to win all their games to this point, but I mean, it's been a tad bit airy when it comes to this bunch because North Carolina, they wound up getting pushed by the Brown Bears. What can Brown do for you? Apparently, not at the over today if you want to taking that against Creighton, but they also wound up being able to do a Solid job of being able to give North Carolina a big test as well. We saw it against Charleston, A improved Charleston team. They didn't necessarily look great there. Meanwhile, Purdue, they dump trucked Bellarmine. They just completely wa- laid waste to a Wright State team that has been one of the best in the Horizon League the last few years. Dump trucked them by 40-plus points. And then they were able to get another nice win over an Indiana State team that we are seeing it right now. They don't look like too bad of a school. So I'm going to be looking to lay the points here with Purdue and in the New York Post in the morning, you're going to be finding that I'm going to be taking the over as well. And then the other game in this pod, actually the earlier one, if you're looking at it with regards to a time standpoint, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, this is 6.55, 6.56 on the rotation if you're looking for that as well. So these two teams. These two games are lumped together. You've got Villanova and Tennessee. Tennessee finding themselves anywhere between a two and a three-point underdog. You're going to find a range right here at Circle where I'm at. You're finding Villanova laying three points. At DraftKings, you're finding Villanova as a two-point favorite. So, a little bit of variance when it comes to this line. And I don't care if you've got two or three. I'm going to be looking to lay the points here at Villanova. I set them as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, Villanova... No question, they wound up disintegrating a little bit down the stretch in that game against UCLA. They wound up having a 10-point lead with 10 minutes left. They were unable to get it done. Colin Gillespie wound up disappearing in that game a little bit. I don't foresee a repeat of that. You take a look at what you're able to get when it comes to this Tennessee team. You've got quite a few guys that will be able to do a solid job of coming in and do a good job of rebounding. John Fulkerson wound up missing the first game of the season. He came in against East Tennessee State. He was able to give the team 10 boards, so he looked solid. Kennedy Chandler, one of the star freshmen of all of college basketball. He's been able to average 18 points per game. His looks solid from three-point range. Now the rubber meets the road because with Tennessee, they have yet to be tested. And Villanova, they wound up getting that good game against UCLA for Tennessee. They went up against the UT Martin team that literally did not return anyone that averaged at least a point per game last season. Actually, a very sad situation with their team as their coach just weeks before the season last year wound up dying. Their top scorer, Parker Stewart, that was his father. And, well, Parker Stewart is now at Indiana. So, I mean, just one of those things that you don't want to see. But, I mean, that was Tennessee's first opponent. Then they went up against an East Tennessee State squad that you tell that they just did not belong on the same court with them. What I think is going to be interesting here is the total. Because you're finding the total in the low 140s right now. And I handicapped this as a and half. With this total, the reason why I handicapped it so low is Villanova. Year in and year out, they rank at the bottom 75. When it comes to possessions per game, Tennessee is a team that they really have hung their head on defense ever since Rick Barnes has taken over the program. We've seen a little bit of a dip to the under already because this is a total that opened up at 142. You're seeing at DraftKings right now more of a 140. You're finding juice on the over with that 140, but still, you're finding it out of 140. Most other books, you're going to be finding more around a 141, 141, and half. but I certainly do like this little under. I do think that you're going to get a little bit more of a slow game, but with Villanova, you've just got so much experience. I think the Colin Gillespie going up against the freshman in Chandler is going to be a little bit of a mismatch as well, so I do take a look at this spot. I wind up leaning towards Villanova, and I wind up leaning towards the under as well, and we're going to have a lot of Great teams are going to be in action on this college basketball Saturday. But if you're looking for a game that I think could provide a little bit of value between two very good mid-majors, that would be Richmond and Drake. Drake, ever since you wound up having the coaching regime change prior to the 2018-19 season, they have the best cover rate in all of college basketball covering darn near 66% of their games. They're going up against a Richmond Spiders team that hopefully you don't have a fear of Spiders because they bring back darn near everyone. They get back Nick Sherrod, who last year was out due to a torn ACL. They've got a whole bunch of guys that I think are going to be able to do a good job of being able to self the sheet. They wound up having... Four different guys averaged between 11.7 and 12.7 points per game last season, including a guy that's 6'10", and Grant Golden, that's able to give you right around eight or so rebounds per game. He's capable of shooting three. He doesn't necessarily shoot a lot of them, but I think that that's going to give fits to a Drake team that we saw that it in their first game of the season against South Dakota. They wanted winning that game by north of 45 points. They've got everyone back. Roman Penn. I mean, this guy is absolutely magnificent, Shaquan Hemphill. He's a guy that's six foot six. He's able to bury a couple threes. He's able to give you six rebounds. He's able to give you a double-digit amount of points per game. So that is something that I think is going to be solid for the team. But what I think is going to be able to keep Richmond in this game, and I'm going to be taking the points right now. You're finding it anywhere between four and a half and five. I want to blind in this game at a three and a half personally. Is that you do have a guy in Tyler Burton? who is very versatile for the team wanted to play a season having 12 points north of 7 rebounds per game he's able to bury a couple threes i think that this is going to be a good classic slobber knocker that we're going to be seeing I do think that it's going to be interesting to watch both of these offenses because neither of them necessarily go necessarily up tempo, but both of them are very efficient. As a result, I wound up saying the total at a 145 and a half. We're seeing quite a bit of 144 and a half. We're seeing this total come up from the 143. So you might want to take this over sooner rather than later. And I'll give you some more picks very, very soon. As coming up next, taking a little bit more of a look at the college basketball betting board for this Saturday, right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Seen Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports betting Network. We have a new prop tracker available on VSN.com for you to keep up with the key NFL prop. Head over to VSN.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and be able to find the best value on a little bit of everything. I'd be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year so much more you're able to check out the prop tracker betting splits heat trends matchup data list goes on and on and for all that information you're able to get it at nfl. nfls we're back here in lovely las vegas more specifically sport circuit the sports book along with the wonderful resort it is the greg peterson experience with myself greg peterson and we just went to the half with michigan versus unlv michigan was up by about 10 points about well, six minutes ago, and now we find ourselves with a three-point game. And if you're taking a look at getting in on this live, right now, live, you're finding Michigan anywhere between a 9.5 and a 10.5-point favorite, depending on where you shop. So that is a little bit down from what they want of closing. They want up closing between a 12.5 and a 13-point favorite. Total on this game at close was 135.5. Now, if you're taking a look at the live total, finding it right around about a 139, a 140 is what I'm seeing at the South Point as well. So it's going to be very intriguing to see what we're going to be able to get here in the second half. But I do think that it was a big, big run for UNLV to have in the second half. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier in this hour. Home underdogs in college basketball are hitting darn near a 57% clip. This is a game in Las Vegas. It's not officially at the Thomas Mack Center, but it. It might as well be a home game for UNLV, and they want it coming up. They're giving you a spirited effort, and it goes to what I said a little bit earlier. Don't declare these games over until they are actually over because UNLV was not looking good about, like I said, five minutes ago, and now all of a sudden, they're back in it. It is 35 to 35-32 at the half. We're taking a look at that game, but at the same time, we've got to take a look forward to Saturday because you know what? With recapping games, it's always nice. You want to be able to gather as much information as possible, but you can't bet on games that wound up already occurring. So we've got to take a look forward, and I see a little bit of value here with an underdog that I think is not getting the love that it's deserved. How about we go San Jose State versus Texas to lead things off? With Texas, you're finding them back to being a big, giant favorite. 27 points your total on this game you're getting it right around a 131 and if you're looking on the rotation order that's 641 642 spot in which I have no idea why San Jose State is still getting disrespected the way that they are I'm seeing a four point edge on my line I wanted saying this Texas laying 23 and I thought I was actually over hyping Texas a little bit when I wanted making this line Tim miles is a guy that could coach. Tim Miles is already doing that with San Jose State. Now, San Jose State didn't have the world's greatest last few minutes when they wound up playing against Sanford earlier in the week, but they were in that game throughout. They were able to get you a cover against Cal Baptist. They were right there. That was a one-point game that they wound up losing. This is a a San Jose State team that I may have been a drag out there in the Mountain West for such a long time, but take a look at the track record of Tim Miles, and it's something that I can trust in. In every one of his years at Colorado State, the win total went up and up and up. It never went down. And then he takes a job at Nebraska. In two separate years at Nebraska, he gets some ranked. He gets up to the NCAA tournament once. Do you know how hard it is to get Nebraska to the NCAA tournament? No other coach in the last 24 years has been able to do so. Tim Miles is a guy that knows what the heck he's doing. It might be a little bit of a goofball, but the guy knows what he's doing. So that's a guy that I can certainly put my money behind. And when it comes to just college basketball handicapping in general. We always take a look at the transfers. We always take a look at the numbers and everything like that. Sometimes it just comes down to the coach. And it's not a fate of Chris Beard by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Chris Beard is absolutely tremendous. He is going to get Texas to be a very good program this year. Not in the future, this year. I Texas coming into the season in the top four with regards to my power rankings. But when it comes to Texas, this is just a couple too many points. They have quite a few transfers that they're working in. And San Jose State, to their to uh them. They are also working on quite a few transfers as well, but at the same time with just catching this many points, it is a little bit obscene in my opinion. And the big thing with San Jose state, I think is going to be able to keep them in this game. Chris Beard, coach teams have in recent years, honestly, been doing as great of a job of being able to shut down the arc as we would like them to be last season with Texas tech in true road games. They were giving up the arc, and opponents were hitting right around 41% of their threes. That's something that goes a little bit under the radar. Meanwhile, for San Jose State, right now they're shooting right in the pocket of about 40.6% from three-point range. That is in the top 50 in all of college basketball trees. Smith has been able to do a nice job, so I think that you've got yourself quite a bit of value here. And With San Jose State, we've also noticed that they pumped up the tempo a little bit more as well. We saw that in their game against Cal State Fullerton. We saw that in their game against Stanford as well. Now, the Cal Baptist game was a dead under, but this total being right around 130 and a half, one thirty-one, I think that's way too low. I wound up saying this all north of one forty personally. So I'm taking a look at it over, and I'm gonna be taking a look at the points here with San Jose State. Something that we need to figure out because of what we wound up seeing this week is what we've seen out of the big out of the big east real, or is it a little bit of an admiration? We've got 645-646, a DePaul team that wound up pulling off a nice win a few days ago against Rutgers. They are going to be facing off against Western Illinois. Western Illinois doesn't sound like much, but they've already went on the road and knocked off a power conference team in Nebraska now. Nebraska has not necessarily had the world's greatest start to the year, but that said, you're finding this DePaul team right around a 10-point favorite. I saw a couple nine and a, half's a tad bit earlier, but you're finding it right in that 9-10 to 10 sweet spot. And it's a DePaul team that I actually am starting to come around on. They wind up changing out their coaching regime in the offseason as well. You've got quite a few moving parts, but one thing that you wind up keeping with the team, one of my favorite names in all of college basketball, Javon Freeman Liberty. I mean, do you ever feel bad betting on a guy named Javon Freeman Liberty? I didn't think so. That's not reason enough to take something like this, though. You've got to have the numbers. 22 points, 8.7 rebounds, 5.7 assists per game. This guy's been doing an amazing job. Played for Valparaiso back when they were known as the Crusaders, has come into DePaul, and he's been able to duplicate those numbers. Now, the big thing with DePaul is that they brought in a couple transfers, and so far, so good. Tony Subblefield finds it coming in from the Dana Altman coaching tree over there at Oregon. He's a guy that knows what the heck he's doing. And then you take a look at Western Illinois. And you've got Will Carius who's able to give you right around 14 or so points per game, has been able to do a solid job. Temio Pearson is able to give you a little bit of this and that. Download. They're able to do a good job there. And DePaul, it's not necessarily a team that has ideal size, but with Western Illinois, just a lot of inconsistencies with this team. I do think that Rob Jeter, who you may remember was the head coach at UW-Milwaukee a couple years ago, is actually doing a relatively rock-solid job. When it comes to this program, but I feel like the name to Paul is just a reason why they're getting undervalued here by about two or three points. I want to saying this as a 12 and a half personally. And if you took a look at the game that these two teams wound up playing last season, it was seemingly like a, seemingly like 150 possessions. I mean, Both of these teams were running it and gunning it. I expect absolutely no different in this game. I'm going to be taking a look at an over. I want to say in the soda at 152, and I want to make it to Paul a 12 and a half point favorite as well. So this is a spot in which I just think that you're going to have A lot of offensive firepower. So I'm going to be looking to lay the points here. And I'm also going to be taking a look at the total over. Now, when it comes to college basketball, I know that many of you guys have been suffering through this. You wind up having the normal Las Vegas betting board, and then you wind up having the extra games. The normal Las Vegas betting board is more of your traditional conferences, your big conferences, the Big Ten, the Big East. You're able to even throw in there something like, we'll just spitball mid-major here. The Missouri Valley is on the normal Las Vegas betting board. And then you have the extra games. The extra games involve, I believe it's nine different conferences, and they're the smallest ones at all of college basketball. You've got the MIAC, the SWAC, the Patriot League, the America East, the Atlantic Sun. You're able to throw in there the Southland. You've got just the smallest of small conferences, the Big South. You're able to throw that in there as well. And anytime you wind up having one team from any of those conferences playing against a little bit of a bigger school, it winds up landing on the extra game. So it can be a little bit difficult there, but... I do think that there is going to be a little bit of value depending on the line that you wind up seeing with one of these because you've got UConn versus Binghamton. UConn has been just completely dump trucking teams all season long. Now they're going to be playing against a Binghamton team that they just wound up collapsing in their last game against Columbia. I wound up having Columbia on the money line it looked like that thing was going to be a goner. I wound up having people chirping at me on Twitter. And then all of a sudden, Columbia winds up coming up with like some sort of a Herculean 22 to four run to be able to win the game in overtime. So that was absolutely tremendous. But UConn, you're right now finding them at, at right around a 20 and a half point or 28 and a half point point favorite. Total of 138. You're starting to see numbers wind up coming up a lot. Don't worry if you don't have this at your book right now. It'll probably be coming up in the AM. I know that there are some books that they haven't been putting these up as much, but it seems to be getting better and better, especially out there on the East Coast. Places like DraftKings, they've been on it, so give them a little bit of credit. But when it comes to UConn, what is really big for the team, and I think that they're worthy of being a top 25 team, is all that you've got down low. Anama sonogo is someone that's able to give you 20 points per game. A Cook, a Cook, you could tell that he was banged up all season long. He was never quite right. He's a guy that two seasons ago was averaging two and a half blocks per game. He is back in full force. And we were all wondering how UConn was going to be able to replace James McKnight. How about RJ Cole, the transfer from Howard? 15 points, right around 40% three-point shooting. I'm looking to lay a big number here with UConn. And I'm looking to put up some big numbers in hour two. Coming up next, going to be taking a look at just a little bit more hoops. Going to be going a little bit more NBA in the next hour. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa eSports betting Network.